the benefit of actually using an agency is we're working with a lot of people like you. So small business owners, private practice owners. So if you are doing something wrong, I can pull from that knowledge from another practice who has really good retention. This is Intelligent Rebellion. Howdy folks. In this episode of the Intelligent Rebellion podcast, I speak with my friend Pierre, a high school dropout turned healthcare recruiter and podcaster. Pierre is generous in sharing his story and his honesty and candor will make you smile and make you cringe just a little bit. We chat about lessons that we learned in our 20s, the importance of community and family, our motivations and what we each define as being our success. He shares his philosophy about healthcare recruitment and shares his thoughts about the current state of the industry. I hope you enjoy this episode just as much, if not more, as Pierre and I enjoyed recording it. Hey, Pierre, thank you so much for coming onto the pod um, and talking to me today. You and I actually met each other at a gym, which is strange for you, not so strange for me. If you were speed dating me, like yeah. how would you introduce yourself in three minutes or less? Oh, <laughs> oh man. Um, I know I work in sales, but I hate talking about myself. <laughs> it's the worst. Um, okay, here we go. So my name's Pierre. Say I never graduated school, which gave me a bit of a chip on my shoulder to, to <laughs> succeed, which is why I am where I am today. Uh, I always knew how to talk, which is uh, why I ended up in sales and marketing. And now I work in healthcare recruitment. My product is actually people. I'm not selling like I used to just sell steel. Now I'm actually dealing with people and that's actually my product. So mm-hmm. you're the very first person that we come on board that's also a podcaster. Tell us a bit about where you're from because you and I are from the same place. What makes you so special? I get mistaken as Samoan all the time time but I'm actually Filipino um, but it's my nose that's why the show with the podcast and I always wanted to create something and provide a bit of entertainment I guess who I am in a nutshell I'm just you know just spreading laughter spreading love that's what I do so I want to create a platform that can provide that for people so what has been your most recent personal rebellion now I'm counting on you to be super duper interesting because everybody has been boring up to this day <laughs> So what do you mean by personal rebellion? Well, I mean, what's something that you did that was a little bit naughty recently? Oh. There you go. Ah, I had a, <laughs> I had a pregnancy scare. <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty naughty. Um, but she told me she's three weeks late. She's never late. And I went, excuse me, I'm not ready for this shit. So I was just dropping my nut, contemplating life. I'm like, am I doing this right? Should I get another job? Should I do this? <laughs> I was like, oh, what the fuck is happening? Thankfully, she wasn't pregnant. Um, but that's probably the most recent rebellious thing. Okay, so you're in healthcare. You mentioned that you're in sales, right? Yes. And that's kind of where you started and you were in steel and steel doesn't talk back. How did you find yourself there? So the last place I was selling steel for, I actually moved to Orange um, because, yeah, you're laughing. It's fun. Orange is beautiful. Don't laugh. Hey, they got no, great no. wine. <laughs> no, no. So what happened was, as I mentioned earlier, I never graduated school. So any opportunity I had in front of me, I leaped at it. I took it because I just wanted to climb the chain. I was convinced to show all my titos and titos, you know, my uncles and my aunties, 
They're like, Barry, you have to go to school. You know, I'm like, shut up. I don't need that shit. So I was very determined to show them that I didn't need to go to school to make it. <laughs> so any opportunity that came my way, I just jumped at it. And that's how I ended up in Orange. I was 22 years old when I moved to Orange. It's an impressive feat to move three hours away from your family. But the, what's even more impressive is I did it for 43,000 a year plus superannuation. Because I didn't know what my worth was. I had no idea how mm -hmm. much I should have been paid. I racked up a massive debt. I had to pull out loans to pay bills. And by the time I was 23, 24, I was already 30, 40,000 in debt. <gasps> yeah, crazy, right? I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to work. This is my life now. I live my life. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, 30, 40,000 worth of debt for a very fun time. <laughs> what did you spend your money on? I mean, you're an orange. Wow. Okay, wine. I accept that. But You don't spend it in orange, Bria. <laughs> I went overseas, I'd go holiday trips, my car would break down, so I have to pay it. I had a gambling problem, let's just put that oh, behind wow. us. <laughs> okay, yeah. Gambled my money away, and I'm like, oh my God, quarterly bills, I completely forgot about it. So I put mm -hmm. a loan to pay that. Got to the point where I couldn't just get a loan from Commonwealth Bank or anything like that. So I had to go to other creditors with that don't really check your you know, credit rating. That's how it spiraled. It was just a lot of interest that I was paying. I literally just paid that off maybe last year. Yay, snaps right. for you. Exactly. But anyway... <laughs> My mates knew um, who were working for ASIM Healthcare at the time, like a few of their brothers owned the company. They saw how hard I was working. They knew the you know, trials and tribulations I was going through. Only my close friends, everyone else would just see me as a happy, fun dude. Yeah. Which I am. You? Fun? No. <laughs> I was waiting for you to give me a compliment. I was full fishing. Anyway. And yeah, they said, you should come work for ASIM Healthcare. And I was like, I have no idea. I'm, they're like, you work in sales, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but I mean. I don't know anything about healthcare. My family's nurses. Well, what Filipino mm -hmm. doesn't have nurses? <laughs> yeah, it's a nurse in their family. Exactly. And I'm like, that's the extent of my healthcare knowledge. I used to have an RDO every Monday. They were like, all right, just come in Monday, make a few calls, see how you go. And that's what I was doing on my RDOs. So when I wasn't working in selling steel, I was working at ACM Healthcare making phone calls. You know, they saw my work ethic. So as I said, one of my friend's brothers that knew me and owned the company only saw me as the goose always laughing, always doing dumb shit. So when they think of me, they're like, he's immature, he's dumb, but they'd never seen me work, which is something I'm very proud of, is my work ethic. They liked what they saw and they offered me a full-time job, took it and just been working there ever since. I think I just hit five years, 2017. So. You were basically saved by your community, by the yeah. people around you. And look, being Filipino and you and I both, Philo's family is so important to us and mm. the, our tribe is so important to us. You're kind of like me, like we're really just fun, happy, outgoing people. But when it's time for business, you get down and you Knuckle do what down. you need to do. Yeah, that's, that's right. It. You had to climb out of debt, out of a gambling problem, out of living three hours away from your family who you're very close to. Yeah. What other attributes, what two main parts of you do you think were so important in your personality that got you where you are now? To be honest, it is work ethic and just my drive. Yeah. I had no choice. I couldn't fail because if I failed, then I would have to file for bankruptcy. And that was just not an option for me. And I liked keeping that separate from my own persona. People who'd see me outside wouldn't know. Shut up. Mm -hmm. He's messaging me. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. didn't turn your notifications off. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. People who, um, people who knew me outside of work mm -hmm. just saw a whole different person inside of work, which is awesome for me because yeah. that's what I wanted. One of the reasons I didn't finish school, it's going to get a bit deep actually, is my mum. My she passed away when I was in high school. So I dropped out about that year 11, year 12. And that's why I never finished school. I went back to go finish it. You know, like it's a tertiary education, right? So it's like an equivalent to your HSC. Yeah. And I was sitting there doing Pythagoras theorem 
I'm like, what the fuck is this? I did this in year eight. And I was like, I couldn't hack it. I hate feeling like I'm moving backwards. So I'm like, I didn't finish it. My sister raged at me. I'm the youngest. So my sister was like slapping me and she paid for the course and everything. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, that was the biggest thing. That need to prove that I didn't need school to be yeah. successful. And I didn't, I showed it through my work ethic. That was, that's what sort of really, really drove me. Define success. So I, I like to think you follow my LinkedIn and my socials. Yeah. <laughs> I've shared your shit on LinkedIn. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> what do you define as successful for you? Success for me is always changing. It's whatever I want to dis- whatever I want to achieve at the time. Yeah. It's what people don't understand. Like people will compare themselves and like, oh, they got a house, they got a mm-hmm. wife. You're like, who's a fuck what they got? <laughs> yeah. You know that, you know that one saying it's like, I'm too worried about my own grass to care about how yours is growing. Yeah. That's huge for me. Otherwise, you know, people my age are starting to propose. Some of them have babies. One of our well, you almost had a baby. Oh, had <laughs> a close call. <laughs> Accidentally almost having a baby at 29. That's more like a fucking 25, 23-year-old thing, isn't it? <laughs> you were busy in your 20 when you were 22 in Orange doing other things. Yeah, I was I had it flipped. I was working my ass off. Now I'm having fun. I should have done that when I was younger. Anyway. No. Success for me is whatever I want to achieve. Whatever you want to, your success is your own success. That's what success yeah. is to me. Great message. I love that because I think everyone's so busy, as you're right, looking at other people's lawns and peeking over the fence, going, Oh, but they're successful because they earn a million dollars a year. Oh, look at that guy, and he did this, and look at her she did that and what I've learned in my experience as well is success is exactly what you want it to be it's like I don't start work till 9 30 I'm successful because for me <laughs> that's what success is right I get to make a podcast and talk to cool people like you and for me that's like hey that's pretty successful I'm yeah. now a broadcaster um so I, I love that so I think that's a fucking awesome message to give to the world the most valuable education I got was life was outside mm. Of, of school and the fact that you went through all that at 22 like I feel like you're so far ahead of everybody else when you yeah. learn lessons like that you're like okay well jump start man like Tell that to my friends they don't see it ah screw them let's be <laughs> yeah, friends exactly oh, yeah. come hang out with the intelligent rebellion crew we're all awesome. <laughs> I'm, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to like the reason why I harassed you about this podcast is because um Human resources, recruitment, right? Mm. I get emails and DMs and socials and SMSs offering me these exciting and amazing opportunities, you know, in some company, somewhere in Sydney doing exercise physiology or rehab consultancy. Yeah. Take this right. See, more than on a few occasions, I've had someone call me and be like, hey, I've got this amazing opportunity. Do you want to take it as a rehab consultant and ask what, co- what company was it? And they'll say it's company ABC. I was like, do you know that I already work for company A, B, and C? Hmm. And so I asked myself, do they just not bother to look at my profile? They don't like, know. <laughs> why are they calling? Like, what, is it just a numbers thing? Like, tell us how recruiting works. Because one of my biggest pet peeves about recruitment is other recruiters making me look fucking bad. <laughs> read, a, read a fucking resume. It's not hard. <laughs> read it. And then they'll tell you everything you need to know. That's the biggest thing. When I recruit someone, I talk to the client first. I ask them what they're looking for. What, are, what kind of allowances I have? What's the mm-hmm. salary range? What kind of culture have they developed at the company? That way I know I have a good grasp of what kind of person they're sort of looking for. And, you know, funnily enough, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people will say like, oh, you know, we're looking for someone. They'll beat around the bush. They'll be like, oh, we're looking for someone that's well-spoken, can communicate well. To me, that just means they were born in Australia or they're white. You know what wow. I mean? Wow. Oh, that's snap. Right okay. So, yeah. 
me as a recruiter, I know exactly what they're looking for. If I, if I get them a, uh, you know, a student that's traveled from overseas and just finished the bachelor's or master's and they say from India or they're from Thailand or they're from China, I know they won't really be interested in that candidate. Wow. But that's not something they've told me. That's just something I've realized being in the industry for so long. And is um, that just a bias that they might have? Yes. Yeah. It could be from past experience. It could just mm -hmm. be their own beliefs. It could be anything. It doesn't matter. The fact is um, that's what they want. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm going to try to find you. So when I call someone like you, I have a chat to you on the phone. And we all spoke in. You clearly were raised predominantly here in Australia. If you weren't born here, um, then I'll go through your skills, what you're there looking for in terms of what kind of exposure you've had to the industry. I'd compare that to uh, with what you've done in your career. And then I'd make that match. I'd say, this is the company. Do you want to learn more about them? And because I've had that really personable con conversation with the client, I can really give you good insight as to what they're sort of looking for and what they're about. So it's not just me like, oh, I have an occupational rehab role here for this company. I have an occupational rehab company that's looking for someone like you. The reason the job is open is because of this. They offer benefits. They do you know, a lot of social gatherings. They offer you PD allowances. It's a lot more personable, my approach, than some other fucking dickhead that's just sending your CV over to the client, which is a thing that happens often. Like they'll just get a CV, yeah. send it over. The client will be like, I like that person. Then they'll call you for the first time saying, I have a candidate, I have a client that might be interested in you, even though yeah. they already know that they are interested because you sent their CV without their permission. The approach that you take is very personalized. So I imagine you get to know not only your companies that you're recruiting for, but also your candidates. Yeah, 100%. So, so you would know them really intimately. You would understand what they're like, what they don't like, what they're looking for, and then do, do the match. Yeah, yeah. Like, are you just playing perfect match? Yes, that's my job. Because the point is for me to find the perfect match for you. Because if they leave within, you know, a certain time frame, I have to give them a refund. So it doesn't benefit me if you guys leave. And it okay. doesn't benefit the client either. So it's in my best interest to do the best job I possibly can. That's the incentive. I work on commission-based structures. So if you leave, I have to give a refund back, which means I have to give some of my commission back. For me, I actually like getting to know people and talking to people. I always write little notes saying, just had a daughter, gone on maternity leave, blah, blah, blah. So that time when I reach out to them in like six months, I'll be like, how's your daughter doing? You just had a baby. It's more personable. That God, you got baby on your brain, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, let's change it. You have a dog. How's your dog? How's your dog? How's your puppy? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an old school way of recruiting, volume. Pick up the phone, keep calling, pick up the phone, keep calling. It depends on the job though as well. How has LinkedIn changed the game though? You know what? I'm going to be completely honest. LinkedIn hasn't changed it for me. Because oh. I work with physios and OTs that don't really use LinkedIn. You get a lot of exercise physiologists using it. <laughs> Fucking you exercise physiologists of, all yeah. over social media. Exactly. The only physios <laughs> that I see using LinkedIn are business owners and they're not looking for jobs. They're running their own business. So what I've noticed for me, for LinkedIn, physios, physios using LinkedIn is just a big old look at, my, look at the size of my dick. <laughs> Look at my Gee, business. thanks. <laughs> look, at, look at this yacht I'm on because of my business. <laughs> no, yeah. not you. You actually use it for very purposeful things. Talking <laughs> shit about yeah. it. You're, you're telling the dead set truth, which is like why I appreciate, you know, the Rebellion podcast. And, Rebellious. And so, so there's people who are just doing this out of volume. So the emails that I'm getting from XYZ recruiters, and if you are listening to this, I'm talking to you, X, Y, and Z recruiters. You know yeah. who you are. Are they just being lazy? Like, what's their motivation here? Or do they say to a client, oh, yeah, we reached out to 3,000 people because we have that reach? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. If they're going for a big tender, they'll be like, oh, we have this many people in our database. doesn't necessarily mean they've talked to that many people in the database. It just means that they've downloaded that CV and put it in their database. What I noticed when lockdown started was 
a lot of IT recruiters and accountant recruiters jumping into healthcare because healthcare never stops. You're just as safe working as a healthcare recruiter, but people who are working in accounting, people who are working in IT, mm-hmm. all those businesses are shutting down. Their work tends to stop. So I saw them starting to jump into healthcare recruiting and they don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it? I mean, I never realized there was sort of just, oh yeah, the healthcare recruiters and then the IT recruiters. I just thought it was, you know, maybe one company that just does all of that. We specialize in healthcare. I mean, the main thing for healthcare recruitment is compliance. If you don't have the right documents and mm-hmm. then people find out, I mean, you've heard stories about doctors that they found out their degrees or, you know, their, whatever their doctorate was, it was fake. Yeah. But they've already been practicing medicine in Australia for, you know, 10, 15 years and mm-hmm. they only just found out. Compliance is huge and very important in the healthcare industry. And that's what people, that's what people in say IT or accounting wouldn't understand is because they'll just find you a CV They'll get a contract, then they'll charge the fee based on whatever the remuneration they offered was. That's how it works. It's like transactional. Transactional, yeah. Not personable, you know? I'm going to go back to the those recruiters that have like, you know, hey, we've got 10,000 people on our, on our database because we've uploaded 10,000 resumes. <laughs> One yeah. of them is probably mine. Yeah. How does that work though? How does that make sense? Because... If you have 10,000 people in your database, but 9,999 of them are not quality, then aren't you just wasting your time? Like with, with the process that you have where you actually know people, you go, all right, well, this company wants someone who's exactly like Ria, so I'm just going to call her and you've kind of effectively mm-hmm. cut hours and hours of work. Quality over quantity. Yeah, right. If you understand, if you know your candidates, then you can call them anytime and they already they'll appreciate you coming to them with a job that they're actually very interested in. Unlike you, I can't actually find you a job because <laughs> anything you'd be interested in, which is why I never contact you. I, did, I think I did at the start. I started, did at the start. I'm like, I've got nothing for this woman, man. <laughs> but that's just a part of the job. That's what I've just understood after, you know, over some time. So it is a bit of lazy and just a bit of bravado. It's not just a bit. It's fucking lazy. It's fucking lazy and fucking bravado. Exactly. Oh, correct me if I'm wrong. We're growing up to think that sales is just a numbers game. The more people you call, the more chance you have of selling your widget. It depends. I mean, you can't tell, you can tell them all about you or you can show them what you're about. I've called clients saying, hey, I work for a recruitment agency before you hang up on me. <laughs> they, <laughs> they tend to fucking hang up on you. <laughs> I just wanted to say, I just wanted to introduce myself. I've had clients come back to me saying, hey, we can use an agency now and you pissed me off so much and you annoyed me so much that you're the only person I can think of. <laughs> that's how I've gotten jobs. You know what I mean? But you can, they can tell I actually care. And, and knowing that you, you're the best person for that job, like you feel like you genuinely go, I do recruiting, right? What shits you the most about the industry? <laughs> Where do you start? <laughs> Pick one, two. One, one. Half an hour. <laughs> it's other recruiters fucking making me look bad. If you're going to learn that, if you're going to recruit, do it fucking properly, honestly, because you're What's making me way? look bad. Well, what's the, what's the philosophy that you have on recruiting then? Be personable. Always communicate. If you if a client calls you, asks you for a job, he asks them what the job spec is and, you know, you can't find anyone for them and you go cold on them, which is something that happens often. They just don't contact them again. Mm-hmm. Like I've had clients say, oh, I used to work with an agency. They couldn't find me anyone. I haven't heard from them since. The difference with me is I'll call and be like, look, I've been looking. How's it on your end? My fucking zero luck. Yeah. That communication, that line, it's building that rapport. Just yeah. showing them that you are actually trying. They'll appreciate you keeping a line of communication to them. That's one thing that a lot of recruiters tend not to do. If they can't find it, they move on. We have the same problem. We're actually, we're actually try, trying to be so busy to be right and to deliver a product in your way to deliver a, a person to your client. And for us, 
to write the best prescription and recovery model. That's when you go silent. You're like, I'd rather not tell them that I fucked this up and I'd just rather go cold on it. Have you done that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> What'd you do? You tell them, right? Yeah, and, and as you grow up, you, you start to go, okay, well, I've got to admit my failures. I've got to admit that, hey, I don't know the answers. And that's kind of really refreshing. How do your clients respond to that? So here they've called you up and they've gone, man, I love this guy. He's really cool. I've heard he does great things in healthcare recruiting. They have all this expectation on you and you have to make the phone call. That's, oh, okay. Yeah, so the first <laughs> thing I do is I set, I set an expectation. You know, you manage expectations. You under promise, you over deliver. That's straight up. So I'll call them. I'm like, okay, the market's really bad at the moment, as you'd know. Otherwise, you wouldn't be contacting me. So <laughs> I'm going to do my best. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this for you, blah, blah, blah. But I don't guarantee that I'm going to get them results. If I do get them results, great. But at the end of the day, we do have the same problem. I can't find people and they can't find people. The only difference between what I do and what they do is they put an advertisement up or they get word in mouth and they hope people come to them. Whereas me, I've got a lot of people that I'm talking to that aren't open looking, not, not necessarily looking for work, but they're open to hearing about opportunities. That's my only real difference. That's the only difference a proper recruiter will have to a job advertisement. We have a line of communication to candidates that are just waiting for the right opportunity, but they're not going out and applying. If I get someone to you, you can, interv you can interview fucking a hundred of my candidates. If you don't like any of them, you don't pay me anything. Until, they, until you offer them a contract saying, mm -hmm. I would like to have them on board on my team, that's when the fee is generated. And that's, that's only based on results. On top of that, we have a TID refund policy, you know, just for your own security in case they do end up leaving in the first month or the second month or the third month. We, we like to think of ourselves as consultants. If a candidate keeps leaving within those first three months or six months, I go, okay, I'll call the client and be like, look, this is the second, third candidate that I've placed with you and they're leaving. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about your processes. Let's talk about your business. Why do you think they're leaving? Why aren't people sticking? That's the difference between me and a fucking normal recruiter that's shooting your CV off without contact. Yeah. Yeah, you actually, you're actually trying to help solve problems as well. Because I'm not getting my commission. That's why, Ria. <laughs> well, fair enough. I mean, everybody's got to make money. Everyone's got to pay their seat. Yeah, 100%. Right. No, it's truth. But yeah. in saying that, you can make money, you can profit, but you don't have to be a dickhead about it. I, I choose to be a dickhead every time. Because <laughs> I can You're not be. biased. <laughs> <laughs> not biased to anybody. I'm exactly. an asshole to everybody equally. Yeah. What are the most dangerous behaviors? Like what is going to kill your industry? From my standpoint, it's recruiters offering hourly rates through the roof. That's throwing the whole market out of whack. Okay. Let's, for example, talk about aged care. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's obviously a fragile caseload. You can't just get them up, do those whole mobility things, give them strengthening exercises. Old people are very fragile. So that's a job that a lot of physios and occupational therapists don't want to do. There's very okay. few that want to do it. But it's needed because, you know, our aging population needs that treatment, needs the care. So what they're doing, the only incentive to stay in aged care is money. So they're offering new grads 50 an hour plus superannuation, 55 an hour. That's $100,000 salary straight out of university. I was going to say, you need to do the math on that. $100,000? $100,000 <laughs> out, out of university? I wish I made that. You know what I mean? That's, that's what they're doing. They're what? throwing. Recruiters are going, I'll give you $50 an hour to do this. Okay. No experience. They just got their upper registration. Work in aged care. I'll pay you this. And they work in it. And they were like, you know what? I want to actually develop. I want to go back to my basis. I want to go back to stroke and neuro rehab. I want to go back to the MSK. They have to take a pay cut from $100,000 to sixty-five, seventy thousand 70000 a year. Yes. Is that a recruiter problem or is that just an industrial? That's an industry problem. It is an industry problem because of the charging through the roof i mean how is that how is that a recruiter's fault i mean what's your commission based on our fee structures are based on remuneration let's just really really dumb it down one 
10,000. Yes, year. let's go with simple numbers. Yeah, yeah. You 10, and your 000. Pythagoras and me with like MIS maths fail. All right, we'll go with 10,000. You get off I mean, 10, you've had money management problems your whole life, so I don't trust you with numbers at all. <laughs> <laughs> Apply water to the burn. Okay. <laughs> all right. You get offered 10,000 a year plus your annuation, which is 0.095. So that's 10,000. <laughs> 10,950? 11,950? We're going to think simpler numbers. <laughs> we'll that, go with that. Yes. I think it's $11,095. Sure. On 950. All right. Anyway. And then which chart's 10% of that? It's not 10%. It's, it's, it's just whatever percent. To, is it a percentage? Okay. Mathematically, it's easier for me to explain it this All way. Right. So it's <laughs> basically you get a percentage of when, of the re- remuneration yep. of whoever the candidate is that you've placed at the job. Yeah, yeah, and that's not up to me. So is that why they're always like, oh, we want to start you off at 10 grand less at five grand. And then after three months, we'll pay you your 10 grand. Is it because they don't want to pay you guys, like the employer? Possibly. I don't know. It's not up to me what they offer the candidate. What I do suggest you do, give the candidate what they're worth. Give me a con after I have a copy of a contract for my records and give me the contract that you want to pay me. <laughs> All right. That's so how I get around it. Let's take it. Well, let's get sexy on this then. Who, besides your aged care, new grad, just newly upred registered physiotherapist, hmm. like in healthcare recruiting, oh. what professional is the unicorn? Basically, what you're saying is if, if I had 10 of these, I'd make bank. Yeah. What type of professional right now is what everybody wants, but no one can get? Speech pathologist. Wow. Speeches? Yeah. Yeah, big time. There's no yeah. speeches anywhere. They're never in hospitals. It's always private. You have to okay. always have to be a private clinic. That's where, the big, that's where the big money is at. My little son went through speech path and we're paying something like almost 200 bucks a session for him. Exactly. So that he could say, and ch, and yeah. sh, properly. So, <laughs> from, a business, from a business standpoint, they're probably going to make, what, 70, 60% of that? $200 per session? How long are the sessions? Um, I don't know. No more than an hour, if that. Right, so that's what two hundred dollars. Let's say like one twenty an hour. That yeah, I'm, an, make. I'm I'm an absent mother, so it was uh, my husband who was taking the children to the speech pathology. <laughs> yeah, so we should ask. We'll Strong, independent in. woman. Are you yes. the breadwinner? Everybody knows that I am a the breadwinner in the family. Will is a great stay-at-home dad who looks after our children very well. I want so. to be a stay-at-home dad too. So find me a rear. <laughs> if you guys, if you're listening to this now and you're a rear, hit me up. <laughs> I'll be a great dad. Besides speech, speech paths, where is what is the hardest thing to place? Occupational rehab. <laughs> <So, laughs> occupational consultants. No, rehab consultants. They don't want to fucking do it. I don't know why. But I think it's the amount of admin hours that they need to put in after hours. That's an acquired taste by from what I hear. How many hours do you reckon a normal healthcare professional works? Oh, is that too broad of a question? I mean, it depends. If you're a physio in a hospital, you're working at 7 to 3 p.m. You're not yeah, doing any right. work afterwards. Yeah. HK is the same. You do what you need to do. You go home, private practice, you treat. Yeah. And then maybe you're thinking about better ways to treat, but you're not really mm-hmm. doing a lot of admin work. But yeah. OC Rehab, you're liaising with so many different parties that you need to actually get this paperwork done and send it to the right people. It's not that hard. I've been doing it for 20 years. It's not that hard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Look at your hair. It's grey. I can see it. <laughs> I've been grey since I was 10. It's Me my uh, my wisdom highlight. I get that too. Yeah, I get right? That. Yes, yeah. totes, right? Hey, I want to roll back. What are some of the things that you find that employers particularly might be doing wrong that 
people are leaving. I think appreciation is the biggest one. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel appreciated as an employee by your employer, then you're just going to want to move on. If you feel like a number, like especially in aged care, it's really easy. You get a list of things. You need to see this patient. You need to treat this many people per hour and we want you to finish all of these residents you never get any appreciation you just feel like a number because that's what you are essentially you're bringing money to the aged care facility and the aged care facility is paying the employer to make sure a physiotherapist is doing that so if the employer doesn't give a fuck about the physiotherapist as long as it's getting paid the physio is going to feel unappreciated they're going to leave other one could be working conditions equipment Equipment's not good enough. Some people offer incentives with KPIs and the KPIs are just fucking unachievable. They'll say this in your interview. You have the potential of earning is unlimited. You know, reach for the stars. All you have to do is see 80 people in one day. (laughs) (laughs) Just Just burn yourself out. Exactly. I mean, realistically, you'd want to see five patients a day to give them proper care and be able to get all the admin work out. When you get around the 35s, 40s, it's just unachievable. Yeah. And your quality of work tips. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing. A lot of employees just feel like a number. Then they're not being taken care of and they're just being used just to earn that dollar sign for the company. And it's really ironic that as healthcare professionals, we're tasked to help people, but our employers won't help us. Like they won't care for us. So, hey, go off and care for your patient, but fuck you. Yeah, 100%. All you are is a dollar sign. We're going to try to take as much as we possibly can from you. So then for me, the knock-on effect is this, right? If I'm being treated like shit by my employer, I'm going to be disgruntled and awful and horrible. And Mm. then I'm going to treat my patients like shit. And on the flip side of things, I have a lot of friends who are employers. You know, I've sort of grown up in the industry with them. They decided to start companies or are managers of companies. They look after their their workers. They let them do all the things that they want to do, but they still move on or Mm. they still feel like they got burnt. Where are like employees behaving badly? So you're saying the employee is just leaving regardless of how well they're being treated? That's different. No, I mean, that's millennials. <laughs> they, just <laughs> put, they just want to keep moving on, man. Why? It's, it's unbelievable. I have no idea. I think it's just the, um, to be honest, it's all social media. Just having that extravagant lifestyle. They're always going to be looking for something better. The way we were raised from our parents was study, get a job, work hard, buy a house. So those are your goals. You want to buy that house. Now it's get a job, get a better job. I want that life balance. I want that lifestyle. And they try to do it by finding better jobs or trying to do their own thing. It's hard to put into words, but they don't really, they're not about that work your nine to five anymore. They want to work their own hours. They want to be their own entrepreneurs. (laughs) They just want to be what- It's hustle porn. It's hustle porn. Exactly. And that, oh God, hustle porn. I'm going to jump on it because I feel like this whole idea of being an entrepreneur has just been turned so away from its intended meaning. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like, I sell t-shirts on the side and then I'm an entrepreneur. 100%. For fuck's sake. It, it takes so much more to have a business and to be a business owner. When I talk to my friends who are employers is they've really worked hard to get where they are. And as you yeah. said, then people look at social media and go, look at that person. They're so successful because that's what social media chooses to give to people is I did this overnight and I did it all by myself. Yeah. They don't see the hard work. I'm actually looking for a quote right now. It was one of Elon Musk's quotes. It was something like, I can't remember exactly, but it was just like, I love how people are still calling me lucky, even though I'm working 80 hour weeks. They don't see that shit. They only see Elon Musk smoking weed on Joe Rogan's show. (laughs) 
they see him shooting up his fucking roadster two into space because he can. Because <laughs> he can, yeah. He built that fucking rocket. <laughs> he made the fucking car. They don't see the hard work. They only see the results. But it's a result of working your fucking ass off. So, so what you're saying is, hey, if the employer is behaving really well and they're paying this person what they are worth and they're doing absolutely everything they can and the person and the employee still walks away. Uh, no, nah, we're, we're going to call, we're going to blame an employee on that one. It depends too. That's why it's about three people. Once, once I guess the three and it depends how quick they're leaving as well. Okay. They're leaving pretty quick. Then it's just like, okay, there's something wrong here. If they're leaving after six months, fair enough. My last job I was in for five years, this job I've been in for five years now too. And I'm assuming you would have done the same with yours while you were building the foundation for your business yeah i mean i've been basically self-employed my entire life except for one time Mm -hmm. and um you know that turned to shit episode four (laughs) i think it was i talk a little bit about that and and then that really burnt me it, and yeah. it did. And I said, I'm never, ever working as an employee ever again because of that experience. Business is hard. You know, if you think you're going to work nine to five as a business owner, you're joking. Like you're kidding yeah. yourself. And it, it's that chase for that ultimate prize. You know, I put 15 plus years into hard work and building my career and building my credibility as a rehab consultant coming out of university. I was on a year, I think it was. So I look at it and go, oh my God, if you're an EP new grad and you're knocking on someone's door asking for $70,000, come on, mate. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Who's got the highest salary in healthcare? Doctors, man. Come on, tell me how much doctors are making. Net, who's pulling in five, six thousand a week. 5,000 times 52. Yeah, look at about quarter of a million dollars a year. The pay scales are all over the place at the moment from a recruitment standpoint. Do you think people are getting paid too much in healthcare? Yeah. (laughs) No, it's all right. You can come out and say it. Like, that's the whole point. Yes, I, I think they are, to be honest, because like, I know nurses that are getting paid, you know, 70, 80 an hour, but what are they really doing? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you're going to get slammed by the nurses. <laughs> no, no, no. Not, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. No, no, no. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, let's say, okay, let's talk about physios in aged care getting paid 50, 60 an hour to be a massage therapist. Like, what value are they really adding? rather other than bringing that income into an aged care facility. That's an not. interesting argument. And they know it. A lot of them know it. Some people love aged care, salt of mm-hmm. the earth, those people. But some people know how much you can get paid in aged care and that's why they're there. Yeah, but they're, but they're, not, feel, they're not feeling like they're being fulfilled. Exactly. In terms of being an overpaid clinician, I'd say aged care clinicians. Well, there's the ethical argument that, you know, I like to lean into. As a healthcare professional, you need to be really ethical in the work that you do and make sure that you're adding to someone quality of life because somebody is paying for this and I often ask could that money be better spent on other services music therapy for instance or social work or counseling or mental health for those people one of my clients who's working they're going with a new a whole new you know approach to aged care using medicare is they're actually offering these services they're actually yeah. offering exercise-based rehabilitation things that are actually going to be improving their quality of life you know credit to the government they actually addressed it and they are changing the funding model but there's some companies that i'm working with that have found a way around it to you know, garner quicker results you know we've talked about the, the bad behaviors and things like that recruiting will recruiting last the next 10 years i think so be i mean unless we're replaced by machines 
machines. Watch out. <laughs> but yeah, unless we're replaced by machines, people are always going to be looking for staff. I've talked to physios, OTs who have left it to mm-hmm. pursue other avenues, teaching, accounting. I've yeah. talked to people who become actors and actresses. You know what I mean? It's, it's really Podcast hosts. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Podcast hosts. <laughs> so like someone's going to need to replace all the work that you've left behind. And there's always going to be that need for recruitment, in my, my opinion, anyway. If someone wanted to find you, how yeah. would they, how do they find you? Go to our website. Actually, that's, that's one thing that's set uh, our agency apart to begin with is because we started using the social media platforms regularly. So even if you're not watching our videos, you're seeing my face pop up. Eventually, it'll just click in your mind. Like, I'm looking for a job. I'm a physiotherapist. That guy on LinkedIn. What's his name? Pierre or Josh or Christian. You know, getting our face out there. Traditionally, employers go to recruiters. But what you're saying is that if I'm looking for a job, I call Pierre. Yeah. A candidate, some candidates choose their recruiters. What we do is just another resource. You don't have to take our jobs, but we're another resource for you. And sometimes we have jobs that aren't being advertised as well. As I said, I know other recruiters who are really personable with me and know who I am and all that type of stuff. Why you? Why me? (laughs) There's nothing different between me and a good recruiter, is what I'm going to say. I'm not opposed to working with other agencies. If they can place you before me, it's good for you. Play the game. There's a lot of agencies out there, and if they have the right opportunity for you, Mm. use them. It's your job search without you even having to go out and job search. Do you also find, and you hear this a lot, oh, just go in an interview, even if you don't want the job, because it's good practice. What's your thought on that? That's bullshit. It's not. (laughs) It's not. Don't give a fuck what anyone says. Don't ever. If someone says that to you, someone fuck off. Because that's not the truth. The truth is you've promised your client results. If mm-hmm. you get someone to interview, it's like, okay, he's actually doing something. That's what it is. It's never about you. It's always about the client. Moving on. I'm going to go into the last-ish question. Yeah. You're a fun guy. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I like where this is going. What is it, something that you did for fun recently that you haven't already mentioned that was only for you? This is a massive sign that I'm getting older because I went to my friend's house for a games night and we played games and I had fun. It was a proper competition. It was a full point system going on. It was different games. It was like stacking apples. There was one where you had to put like a marshmallow on your knife, walk it to a place, drop it on the plate. Like it was full on all these games organized. Epic fail. Come on. We like epic fails here because I think we want to bust the myth that we're all really successful and we actually all know what we're doing. That's a total oh. lie. We don't know what we're doing and we're just kind of exploring and doing what we think is right at the time. I have a few friends that are girls. I have a few friends that are guys. And all the guys love this pickup line, but all the girls didn't. I was on the dating apps making, trying to make this fucking line work. Um, I, told, I asked you about like, what do you do for work? Blah, blah, blah. Out of nowhere, I'll just go, do you like sleeping, right? Yeah, I like sleeping. And then I'd go, I love sleeping too. We should try it together sometime. <laughs> <laughs> It has not worked at all. I thought it would be a fucking killer. It's so bad. But it's so good. It hasn't worked at all. It hasn't worked. Plug all your Instas, Facebooks, LinkedIn, socials. So I do run a podcast. but It's called The Double D Show. You can find us on Instagram at The DD Show AUS. Um, we're also on YouTube where all of our episodes are. Mm-hmm. My personal Instagram is at P-S-S, P-I-E-R-R-E, Says, S-A-Y-S. You can find me at work. If you're listening, you're a healthcare worker, you're looking for a job, send me an email, pierre at acm, mfamerryhealthcare.com.au. Um, otherwise, give me a call on... 
Okay, cool. <laughs> I'll beep it. Like, you really are a fun dude. And in all seriousness, I think the way that you see the world and the way that you see healthcare and recruiting is really refreshing. It's nice to see somebody humanizing that side of it. And we don't ever think of healthcare as including recruiters. It's, healthcare is just like this really huge ecosystem of everybody that's involved. Mm. And it does take all of us to do things properly. I just want to plug this real quick. Plug away. For clients or for business owners that don't want to use a recruitment agency, the benefit of actually using an agency is we're working with a lot of people like you. So small business owners, private practice owners. So if you are doing something wrong, I can pull from that knowledge from another practice who has really good retention and be like, look, I know a place that's doing this, doing this. It could actually help you improve your business. So get out of your own way and call me. Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on to the pod. I really love talking to you and I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah. Um, and if there are any ladies who like sleeping, give Pierre, <laughs> give Pierre a call. All these details are in the show notes. So yeah. peace out, bro. Thank you so much. And we'll talk me. again soon. Yeah, for sure. The Intelligent Rebellion Podcast is a Three Sticks production. It is produced, written, and hosted by me, Ria Mikado. Will is the emperor of sound, mixing, and editing, and is a talent behind all our original music.